and welcome to the Blue Thunder Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the John Badham film Blue Thunder one minute at a time. I'm Jason Heck. And I'm John Engel. And today we're talking about Minute 130, which I don't believe exists in the movie Blue Thunder because it's much shorter than that. Oh, shit. Uh, Are we doing Alien still? Yeah, but I was just going to go with it. In this minute, Roy Scheider... Um, is named in the credits. I don't know. It was a Raystar production. In this minute, Roy Scheider has landed Blue Thunder directly in the path of a southbound freight train. That was the end of the special prototype, but not the end of the story. That's true. Uh, But in the movie Aliens, Uh, which we will actually talk about today, uh, minute, minute 130 begins with the alien queen recovering from Ripley's mighty blow and ends with Ripley eyeing something on the loader's left arm. A can of spinach? She spots something. Can of spinach? Uh, Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Could be. That would come in handy. So what we have here really is a minute that is just, it's a brawl. Um, In minute 130, you know, it's, it, John and I were kind of, we're looking at it and it's, it's not so easy to find stuff that you really want to focus on in this movie because it is an, in this minute, because it's a knockdown drag out, you know, Ripley basically waving her arms, twisting the torso back and forth. There are a couple things I really liked though. Um, the first is the usage of the queen's tail, which mm-hmm. is there. Two, it, it, it lands two blows against the uh, kind of the, the safety cage of the power loader. The first, however, is, is a stab. It's, you know, it, it's a thrust and it's really scary because it doesn't miss Ripley by very much. The second is more of a bash, but there's this wonderful shot of the tail coiled and cocked and aimed right at her. And we've already seen what it did to Bishop. So, if it gets in there and she is very exposed in that cage, if it, if it launches straight at her, it's going to shish kebab her, butt good. It would turn her face into a a pile of goo. Oh, I'm thinking if you reached your hand into that, you'd know what to do. I don't know why I went there. God, what God? So (laughs) (laughs) I was quoting, I was quoting Patton and for some weird reason, it's Friday. I'm feeling very strange. You are here, man. You're just, man. Friday is really TGIF for sure for you. Um, I should have known when there are like seven or eight crumpled up Capri Sun packets by your desk. I should have known that you were in his cups uh, or in his pouch, as it were. And it's Caribbean Blast, which I know you generally get just ripped on. Um, So there's another great scene where Ripley has basically she sort of set up kind of this, I don't know, kind of a cycling defense like a boxer. She's just swiveling back and forth, kind of creating this perimeter with the loader's claws and you she just yells come on at the alien and again this is the sense that it's venting not her fear anymore but her rage her rage at everything that the whole species has taken from her from her first crew to essentially all of you know i I don't know that she really made any friends in the second expedition but what it took from her is is her own sense of safety ever and and a, and a sense of a normal life and this is her chance to to not necessarily get that back but to put it to bed forever and so she doesn't really seem that afraid what she seems is enraged yeah i think i think you hit the nail on the head this isn't a big character arc moment 
really for her where she is now we've seen her we had her at the beginning of the movie terrified right Mm -hmm. nightmares debilitated by them smoking cigarettes with ashes three inches long denying the call to adventure right all the things that you get from a a victim of ptsd i guess Mm -hmm. is a good way to put it um and we've seen her slowly grow out of it we found motivation for her in i need to go face my fears we've seen additional motivation in i've got to help save this girl and then we've seen that survival instinct kick in again where she's still terrified but she's got to run and you stole the girl i've got to get the girl back i'm gonna go into the face of this thing and do it but this is where you're right this is where her character is finally fed up she's like fuck it all i'm taking you out and this queen of course represents as she saw in the in the egg chamber where it came in crashing into her world was, this is the origin of it. Right. Right. I think you know, we have this extended universe of alien of the alien franchise. It goes beyond this, but for this movie, the idea is that Ripley found the origin of it all. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's what we're supposed to think. So in her mind, if I get rid of this thing, I'm getting rid of it for good. I'm getting rid of everything for good. There's not going to be any more of this, anything to be afraid of anymore. So up to now she's taken action and dealt with it and survived. But at this point she's sick of it. She's fed up. It's time to end it for good and put a seal on this thing and, and go home and actually get that sense of safety back that you talked about. So, yeah, I think this is actually as much as this is just a punch them, beat them up sort of minute. It's, it's showing us what it's doing for her character arc. And that's giving her real resolution. The arc that is just Ripley, not the Ripley nude arc, not anything else. Just Ripley's arc is now coming full circle. And I think she's very aware that this is to the death. You know, if, if, if she loses, she loses everything, but so does Newt. And so that, that's going to infuse her with this sense of purpose that she's not, she's not just doing it for herself. Although there's this huge catharsis in doing this. There's you're right. It's the origin of everything awful for the past 57 years of her life. And she's, she's going to get that out. She's going to cleanse herself in this, in this purifying fire of this fight, but she's also doing it for the kids, if you will. And um, she's, she, she knows that if, if she goes down, then um, you know that then the the Sulaco is basically just a luau for the queen. She's going to eat everybody. She's gonna yeah. she's gonna find her way up to to Hicks and and eat him. I mean, you could you know go for as so far as to say she's going to start cocooning everybody and start over, which would be even <laughs> worse, right? I mean, because Ripley knows that spreading the thing is you know if, if if we get to Earth with this thing, we all die. Yeah. So uh, one way or another, it's time to put an end to it. And this uh, this queen represents the, you know, it's the mother. It's get rid of this thing and you get rid of the line. And that's what she wants to do. And so she lands a few telling blows, uh, but the queen is anything but defenseless. She is starting to get the measure of the caterpillar a little bit. She's starting to kind of figure things out. And the Ripley's blows are missing more than they're hitting. And the queen has kind of gone into her combat crouch and is stalking her. And it's this really great moment where, you know, she's sort of been doing her outraged howl, right? She's, she's her, her sort of screech, but there's that moment where the queen kind of spreads herself low. The tail is up and cocked and she gives that sort of long exhale 
and you know that she's kind of planning her move. And we know that she's not dumb. She's kind of figuring, you know, she figured out how to get into an elevator and get taken somewhere. She figured out how to climb on the ship and and put two and two together on the ship being safe and the, and the, and staying on the platform being not. So we have an idea that she might actually figure out a way to beat this thing if if given enough time. If 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 she's Ripley's just going to keep doing her little Texas twister thing, swinging the claws back and forth, the queen will probably figure something out. And that lends menace too, knowing that it's not just a dumb animal. I mean, you know, they cut the power. They're not stupid. And so we know that the queen is probably going to figure something out if given enough time. Yeah, and she does, really. Like if you're, you know, a, a fan of boxing at all, you can see her sort of strategizing here that Ripley becomes, Ripley's attack becomes too predictable. She becomes too rhythmic. And once once boxers start throwing punches too rhythmically, like is it predictably rhythmic, then you don't, you know, when to duck, you know, when to, to, to move. And she does. And, and it's goes back to what we talked about yesterday about this sort of like tiny story structure that this fight has. This is, this is a, a valley for Ripley. She's had this, you know, she starts off strong with that big punch. She comes in, you know, or your first act is her, the reveal. She walks in, she gets her line in or like set this thing in motion. She throws her big punch and we're into the second act and she's victorious for a while. She's at a high, but she's going to now be in a valley because she starts to kind of run out of options. And we're seeing, um, we're seeing the alien queen utilize some of her tools that Ripley doesn't have like the tail. And it's like, well, if that tail lands, boy, it's going to be terrible. So Ripley manages to throw a few punches, but the, the queen figures that out. And Ripley's got to figure out a new strategy. She's got to make a change. She's got to shift her, you know, strategy here a little bit. So that's what we're going to get by the end of the minute. We don't know what that is quite yet, but we start to see her, her, the wheels turning a little bit right at the end of the minute as she gazes over to that left arm and we're like, okay, what, what's she up to here? She's looking at something new. So it's something you got to do, you know, in the stories, you got to change. You got to like, these are little sequences that are going on within the story. It's like, well, something new has happened. There's a new uh, development here and that she's figured out my attack strategy. So now I've got to create a new development of my own. So uh, that's what we're going to get as the fight continues on next week. Somebody, whoever's lucky enough to co-host with you next week, I'll have to tackle that buddy. I'm uh I'm back to the work farm for me. I, I'm going to need you to sign a couple things that said, you know, I didn't commit any crimes or anything while I was out. But um, anyway, thank you for the opportunity and thank you for giving a well a, a new start to my life. I really appreciate it. No God bless you. God bless you, Mister Engel. God bless you. Always try to help people lesser than me, the peasants and the you know the less fortunate. Um, God bless you, so. Mister Engel. You're a Christian man. I'll just need you to sign a couple of forms. Okay. Anyway, uh, this can... has been a great minute. I have enjoyed tremendously co-hosting with you this week. It is, uh, it is always, yeah. always, always a pleasure to revisit Blue Thunder. I remember when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's where I first became really aware of Daniel Stern. Um, you know, certainly a sad farewell to Warren Oates, the film dedicated to him. Um, mm-hmm. Really, Malcolm McDowell just so venal and and evil. Um, really, some thrilling sequences above Los Angeles as well. Um, John Badham really hit his technology trio, if you will, of war games, short circuit and blue thunder. Uh, he really, I think he had a lot to say about contemporary technology, especially in short circuit. I really think that one's, that was the real, you know, 
good, the bad, and the ugly of that trilogy. You know, it's like the one that really encapsulated everything he was trying to say. I think if if we could have one big takeaway from from all those movies, it would be no disassemble, no disassemble. Exactly. So don't, especially not Stephanie. Right, right, right. I, I appreciate that. That's you're exactly right. Don't want to disassemble yeah. Stephanie. Yes, please don't. Yeah. Uh, so, in truth, you and I, we got to get to our second screening of the of the Last Jedi. Uh, yeah, um, um, you know, I Blue Thunder's available at your nearest video rental store, <laughs> which is probably hundreds of miles away. Oh, from you. wow! Yeah, I what encourage you might be. Vulcan Video in Austin, Texas, or Scarecrow Video in Seattle. Okay, that's the only two left. Uh, there's one in Madison. There's one in Madison, Wisconsin right, that I went right. to. I'm sure there's one. In, uh, I know Kim, Kim, Kim's in New York is gone. Kim's video in New York is is gone. So really, they're they're just the three left. There is the the only video t- store that I ever bought a T-shirt from, Videodrome in Atlanta. Wow, um, that is still up and running as well. They have a video so, store called Videodrome. Oh, it's a wonderful video store. I bet it's it is. If you bought a T-shirt from it. Well, the t-shirt was a com. It's hard to, it, it was like a Dr. Colossus slash um, day of the dead. It was like a mashup. Oh, look up their logo. I have You'll a couple of I'm t-shirts talking. I got from the old high V grocery store video rental department. But um, I think those are actually just uh, a homeless guy had actually left some of his clothes there because one is orange crush and one is Dukakis 84 the right way. So actually there's probably aren't movies. Oh God! He ran in '88 too, which tells you that the T-shirt's a total misprint. What? Yeah, Dukakis <laughs> ran in '88, not '84. It was Mondale Ferraro oh, yeah. in '84, which is the year yeah. after Blue Thunder came out. That's easy to remember. I, I'm just like realizing. I, I decided. To, I said Doctor Colossus, and I decided to look it up. Um, Maybe you meant Doctor Claw. Was, was it Inspector Gadget? No. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain this. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to. I misspoke. Doctor Colossus, I think, is a character from The Simpsons, and it's totally not at all. What I was trying to say. I tell you, this episode keeps getting worse all the time. Um, <laughs> so, Lando I'm altering the episode. Pray I don't alter it any further. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's just call. It, let's just end it before. I've really worse. enjoyed being here, and I uh, thank you to uh, the podcast audience for their their patience, their forbearance, and their attention. Yes, uh, thank you so Vote much. Vote for us for on that. iTunes if you that. like us. Give us a, a five-star review. It helps other people find the podcast. And, and if you can go back in time, vote for uh, Michael Dukakis in 1988. He really deserves Honestly, better. yeah. just it, Kitty, had, his wife, had a rough time with alcoholism. Mm. And, um, mm. and you know, uh, you know, Boston Harbor was a dirty tricks campaign with, with uh, you know, what's his name? Who was in charge of uh, Lee? Uh, oh, shoot. Who was in charge of the GOP? Lee... Uh, the guy behind Atwater? Willie Horton, Lee Atwater. Yeah. The guy behind yeah. Willie Horton in Boston Harbor. So yeah, I oh, just, yes. I'm just saying that uh, Dukakis could have used a, a, a fairer shake. That's all. He, and, he, and he should have never gotten in that tank with that helmet. No, on. obviously going to general Very dynamics beautiful. and riding around in an Abrams tank and looking more like Mickey mouse. Um, no, that didn't look really good at all. Yeah. That was supposed to be his Reagan with the cowboy hat moment and it didn't work at all. So if you can go back in time, you want to do two things. You want to prevent the AOL time Warner merger. And you also want to prevent, um, Mike Dukakis writing in the tank. All right. Well, let's just, God, is this live? Now. Did it already go out? Oh no, it's not. Okay. Like it. Don't worry. All right. I'll, I'll edit. It. I'll edit it. All right. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening everyone to this craziest minute, maybe ever in the history of the podcast minute one thirty. uh, Oh, God, I don't even know what to say at this point. 
Uh, we'll be back next week for minute 131 and the rest next week's the last week of the show, guys. Um, 135 will be the last minute uh, one way or the other. Oh. So Man, <laughs> I'm not going to talk about every minute of the credits. That's not happening. I want to get a nice, uh, a nice you know, ending to the show right before Christmas. And that'll be that. That'll be the end of the show. I love you guys anyway. Uh, I don't mean to pull the rug out from under you. I, I, I don't think you really, I, we didn't Jesus, talk about all the credits. In the minute? minute My left. God. End it. Jesus fucking Christ. I haven't. Okay. The minute's over. Set it Bye. and forget it.